Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Mother's Day edition of our worship service this morning. We're going to be celebrating Mom today. <clears throat> One announcement before we have our first song. We will not be having our regular offering time, but we will have ushers in the back at the end of the service with offering plates. Okay? Now, let's stand as we sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song.
Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this wonderful day, this time of worship. I thank you for the uh, prior uh, time where we had our Sunday school lesson and Tim teaching. and Lord, uh, what a blessing that was as the Word was shared and taught. And Father, now as we come together uh, for this special day, a day where we are worshiping you, that's what's special about it, but also uh, recognition that you've allowed us to have, and that is uh, mothers. And so we just thank you for them. And we just pray that what we do today will be a day that will be remembered, a day where it will be remembered in your forever kingdom because we have lifted you up throughout it. And, and Lord, we praise your name through the word, through the singing, and also through uh, the honoring of uh, wonderful mothers. Thank you once again for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it's good to see all of you, hundreds of you out there, man. Well, you look like hundreds today uh, rather than looking just into a camera. But I want to thank you for being here, and I see that you're uh, going by the rules. You're sitting uh, six or more feet apart, and that's good. That's good. Uh, we want to be safe and uh, not sorry, and we want to uh, do what we're uh, supposed to do, and so I just thank you for doing that. But today is a day where we worship the Lord and thank God for blessing us with our mothers. You have some good memories of your moms, right? Amen. And so what, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to be thinking about some of those memories real quick. I know that you've got them. Something comes to your mind immediately when you think about your mother. And so if someone would like to share at this time about your mom, please stand up and do so. You don't have to stand, but if you'd like to. Okay? Stephen. Okay. Amen. Inspiration to him, a mother that has taken him to church, and you see what has happened to him. Well, we won't get into that. No, <laughs> no we uh, praise the Lord for that. We really do. Godly mothers who bring their children up in, in the manner that the Lord would have them to. Uh, godly parents in that way. So we thank the Lord for that. We really do. Okay. Well, You know, mothers who care about others. They care about their family. They care about their children. 
and they care about the people around them. They're just, you know, we talk about mothers. We talk about biological mothers. We talk about uh, children that, uh, you know, being raised uh, through adoption. We, we talk uh, that have become a part of the family. We talk about grandparents who raise parents, I mean children, and and uh, for s- some reason or another, you know, they're they're left to raise them. And we talk about friends in the neighborhood who really basically uh, help raise the children. I, you know, uh, uh, we had a lot of uh, wonderful women in the, uh, the our neighborhood that we grew up in. Boy, they made sure that we learned how to do things, and they loved us, and they wanted us to do things right. And so, you could, you know, you could just go on and on. Teachers in, in church, uh, uh, they, uh, you know, they're part of that where they help people, uh, you know, be raised the right way. And here we see a mother who brought in the neighborhood, not just uh, the family there, but brought in the neighborhood and, and loved them and wanted them to uh, uh, to be a family, a community there where they uh, saw the love that they had in their heart uh, and it, it expressed to them, for them. Uh, now this, I believe, was uh, Leon. Uh, it, disguised. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Boy, it's amazing. I have seen more and more people during this time. I know uh, without a haircut and also without a shave, you know. Okay, anybody else? Anyone else? Yes. Oh, how great. Always, here is a mother who I know loves the little girl, loves her daughter, cares for her, and wants to raise her the right way and is doing so. With also grandparents who love them greatly. So we we just thank the Lord for it. Okay. Anyone else? Somebody back there? Oh, <laughs> amen. Amen, Alice. Wow. I tell you what. Uh, I know the, the grandparents there, and I know that they uh, are there for the children, helping out uh, with both of their children and their grandchildren. So uh, that's, that's wonderful. Okay, anyone else? Amen. Amen. St- and there, there's another, you know, the stepmoms. I mean, they just come right in so often and and they're just a blessing and you can't you can't tell the difference i mean even if you'd had your your mom for a while and something happened it uh still it's wonderful to have them they just step right in there and do what they need to do okay anybody else Amen.
Amen. And that's great to know. Uh, that's an added blessing there when you have a mother and you know that she is a child of God. She raised you that way. And one day uh, you're going to see her again. That's, that's a great thing to know about it. Okay, anybody else? Amen. Yeah, I know uh, she had to take care of him, uh, especially when he slipped off and went fishing with his uh, brothers and dad and let all the fish get away. She had to take care of him, didn't she? <laughs> Amen. Okay, anybody else? I tell you what, that's that's nice, and we we're just so glad that you can say that. Okay, anybody? Anyone else? Okay, Tank. Before we get started, before we move on, let's all give a big hand for all these wonderful mothers on Mother's Day. Amen. Buddy, you take over. Oh. 
has come. Arise, shine, for the risen sun. Lift your eyes, we are his radiant bride. Arise, O church, arise. Thank you. You can be seated. Um, when Mike was asking about talking about your mom, I was sitting there thinking about how God really blessed me with a wonderful mother and a wonderful mother-in-law. Uh, we lost my mother-in-law this past year, but she was such an influence on my life um, in teaching me so much about her relationship with the Lord and what it meant to her and different things that <clears throat> would help me in my life. Um, she influenced a lot of sixth grade girls because she taught a sixth grade Sunday school class with girls. And there were girls older than Tank that knew her and would come up and speak to her on a regular basis. Uh, my own mom raised four girls, and God is so good to us. Um, each of us has come to know the Lord um, at a fairly early age, and uh, we were all probably elementary, middle school age, and for that we're all thankful. Um, and I, I know she is, but she also influenced a lot of children. She and my dad had over 40 um, foster children, and that's a lot of children. <laughs> um, I think about that. I, I, I raised five, and that's a lot, but uh, 40 is a whole other ball game. And then on top of that, when they were 60, or when my mom was 60, dad was a little older, um, they adopted two of those foster children and raised them. Um, it, it's, it's just such a wonderful um, example to have two mothers like that, my mama and my mother-in-law. And it's a blessing. Um, as moms, we think about sometimes our children and how they're going to grow up and what they're going to do without us and is God going to take care of them. And I, t I was telling Debbie before the service, God taught me fairly early in my motherhood that I really didn't have any control that it was all his doing and all I could do was be faithful and pray about it and pray for my children. And he reminded me that he knew them so much better than I do and he loved them so much more than I do and that that was what I had to remember. Um, a biblical... Um, Example of that is in Psalm 139, and the song I'm going to sing here in just a second is based on that. Um, it's called You Have Searched Me.
have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. Lord, you made me understand me. You see where I walk and where I lie before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. Ever with me, all around me. To think of it is too wonderful. Where could I go from your spirit if up to the heavens you are there? If I dwell in deepest darkness, the light of your presence finds me there. Your hand will guide me you're holding me last forevermore. Search me, know my heart, Lord, test my attitude. Save me from where I have strayed to walk in your everlasting way. For you saw my unformed body, you knit me within the secret place. I will praise you, for I have been so fearfully and so wonderfully made. How vast the sum of all your thoughts. Oh, how much higher are your ways. I will turn from all that's evil. To live in your goodness all my days. Search me, know my heart. Lord, test my attitude. Save me from where I have strayed. To walk in your everlasting way. To walk in your Thank you, Susan. And thank you for being here today. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth this morning. What passages? Every one of them. All chapter, 
all chapters, which means there's four chapters that we've got to cover this morning. So uh, put on your fast ears and let's go to it. I this delight to be with you today. Now, before I get started, once again, thank you mothers for raising children to be godly, to be brought up in the Word of God, to direct them in the right way, and, and not only your biological children, but children of the neighborhood children of the church, children uh, that you came in contact with. I want to thank you for that. And I know that your children will be honoring you today by probably being there. Sierra, you and Dalton, I know that y'all are so thankful that y'all are probably, you've, you've already made the meal that you're going to have for your mom and, and, uh, and grandparents. You've already cooked that, right? Oh, good. What? What? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we are just so thankful for you, mothers. Now then, in Ruth chapter 1, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if, if you look at Ruth, uh, to look at the book and where it was placed in the Bible. And I know people say, well, that's just coincidence and all this kind of stuff. But I think it was... God placing it there, amen? And it was the eighth book in the Old Testament. Now, eight stands for what? New beginnings. So, what better book to be a new beginning, right? Ruth talking about the kinsman redeemer. Ruth having a new beginning. We... Um, we see the events of Ruth take place during the days of Judges. Now, we just gotten through with Judges not too long ago. What did Judges, what, so, what stood out about Judges? What's the theme about Judges that you remember? In those days, there was what? No king in Israel. And everyone did what? What was right in their own eyes. So the book dealt with continual violence and God raising up a judge temporarily and delivering uh, Israel at, at the time. And so there was, there was just continual violence and lawlessness during that period. And it encourages us, letting us know that there are good people in bad times. And, you know, there, there are those remnants. Uh, there are those individuals. And we see one here. And it lets us know that God is still at work even when we may not see him at work. When it seems like evil and destruction is taken over. Ruth is placed between Judges and Samuel for a reason. Judges shows the decline of the Jewish nation where Samuel shows it setting up, or God setting up the Jewish nation uh, with a king. And so uh, Ruth pictures Christ as her kinsman redeemer uh, through the uh, picture of Boaz. And so Ruth shows that, that Gentiles 
can be saved. And aren't we thankful for that? Ruth explains how a Gentile woman could become a member of the royal family of God. The royal lineage of David uh, is, is brought forth from this, this person, uh, Ruth. It shows the divine origin of the divinic dynasty. Ruth was a Moabitess, a member of the accursed uh, race. She was born and raised in paganism. The gods of the land were fearful. The gods, I mean, they were fearful of these gods. They were evil gods, and they were demonic gods. They were man-made gods. And the priests of Moab, they were very powerful, these priests. They were very cruel also. Uh, who's, uh, you know, and you will see this in just a moment. The most feared God that these priests represented and the people had to worship was Chemish. Chemish stone was created with a lap. And this lap was so constructed, constructed that little children that they laid in its lap would roll down its surface into a red hot, uh, decline or declining plain where the fiery belly of the uh, the god would uh, consume this child. They would offer these children up or have to offer these children up to this god. The priest would come around and pick these children, and most time it was uh, little boys that they picked and they would place them there for a burning. We think about that and we say, how awful is that to take a life? Well, just think, Ruth had to be placed in that, listening for what child, what little person, what little brother, what little uh, family member might be taken and placed there. Listening for the news. Who was going to have to be chosen next and give up their child? And she also was afraid because she might be picked, uh, chosen as uh, one to be taken as a prostitute, to be used at, uh, for other gods at the temple. But you know, as we look at this, we say, this is terrible. This is just outlandish. How could anyone do that? A lost world can. And I want to tell you, a lost world can make it look more educational and acceptable and call it something else. How terrible and how horrifying the sacrifice of, of, of these children are, but at the same time, is it not as terrible and horrifying to see how unborn children, and I do say children, babies, lives are brought before the uh, appeasing God or goddesses of self. This sacrifice may not be to Chemish, but it is to such organizations as Planned Parenthood and others. Do you know that in 2016, with the help of Susan, my math is terrible, 
the conservative estimate for abortions in the U.S. was 623,471. Now, did you hear that? Now, this was, that meant that between the months of January and April, 208,000 abortions were performed. 208,000 abortions. Do you know how many have died from coronavirus between January and April? Estimated 76,000, I think. 600. Do we hear people crying out about the abortion? We should. Do you know that Swindoll in his book said that 95% or 95 plus percent of children killed by abortion are killed for reasons of convenience? What do they tell you? They tell you it's to save a life and this type thing. There may be some in there, but he said that it's more for convenience. I saw a movie about a young girl who became pregnant while dating this movie star, and she was in a Broadway musical, and her boyfriend was a movie star in California, and she was in New York, and she became pregnant. She let her guard down, and they spent the night one night together, and so she didn't tell him, and he went back to work. And her doctor told her, he said, she said, I, I want you to know that the baby is healthy, but I have to give you the alternative. And that alternative is if you don't want to carry the child, you don't have to. In other words, what is that saying? Child's healthy. Nothing wrong with you. You can abort it if you want to. Well, whether it's living by that kind of concept or whether it's during the days of Ruth, people who are without Christ look at life differently. And I thank God that God changed Ruth. Amen? Because do you know what happened when he changed Ruth? Who came from that lineage? Jesus Christ. And if that had not occurred, what might not have occurred? We thank God for this. That Ruth saw life differently. That there was importance in life. The theme of Ruth is redemption, especially as it relates to a kinsman redeemer. It involves a love story, a harvest story, if you will. That is what God is doing really in our world and what he wants to do in our world, continue to do today. Bringing, for us to bring in the harvest as he convicts souls, as we share the good news with others about the kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. It is a beautiful picture of that. But first of all, you need to see Ruth in her hopeless condition. When we first met Ruth, or meet Ruth, she is hopelessly dead or lost spiritually. She is a pagan. But aren't we all really before we're born again? 
Don't we all live in darkness? This is why we shouldn't be surprised to see how the world thinks about life and what they think about life. This is why we shouldn't get, uh, you know, all upset over it. We should just make our stand, tell our story, and, and, and remain steadfast to that, not apologetically, but lovingly, to, you know, let people know what we believe. We shouldn't be pushed over in the corner, not allowing our Christian beliefs to be uh, presented to a world that needs to know them. And so we see that Ruth was in a hopeless condition, just like all of us before we come to know Christ. According to the specific decree of the Mosaic law, no Moabite could have any part in the worship of a true or of the true and living God of Israel until the 10th generation. There was no hope at all for her. Deuteronomy 23.3. That meant that she could not be brought into the elect nation. She could not have her children be, uh, be brought in there. She could not have her grandchildren uh, be brought in there. And on and on and on for ten generations. She was totally lost, in other words. And that is a picture of all of us. Without help in desperation there was no way that she could escape those edicts by herself on her own but the book of Ruth shows how God found a way to redeem Ruth's soul the book tells us how Ruth a stranger to the commonwealth of Israel dwelling in a pagan society in darkness was brought into the covenant of a relationship with Israel's God. Isn't God wonderful? God's grace. It tells us how God not only put Ruth in the royal family of Judah, but it also put her in the direct line to David and then to Christ. Wow! Yes, Ruth was in a hopeless condition, just like all of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. There's no hope for any of us. There's none that seeketh after righteousness. Not one. But the gift of God is eternal life for those who believe. So we see that this comes about by God's hand at work. We, we don't seek after God. There's none that seeketh after God. It's God's sovereign working, the working of God's sovereignty. In verses 1 through 7 it said, Now it came about in the days when a famine in the land, uh, was in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was 
uh, Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephraites of Bethlehem in Judah. And they, uh, they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, he died. And she was left with her two sons. And they took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the uh, name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Malan and Chilion also died, and the women were bereaved of their children, and her husband, or the, uh, the woman, was bereaved of the, her children and her husband. So first of all, God's working, His sovereign hand. There was a famine. Why a famine upon Bethlehem? Of the house of a bread. We don't know. We know it was during the times of judges, so it could have been because of uh, the sins of the people. So often that happened for God to get their attention. It seems, though, that this family maybe had somewhat of a lack of trust because uh, Naomi uh, expresses that later when she says, God has judged me and this type of thing. So they left and, and uh, they went to Moab. But isn't it amazing even when we go a roundabout way that God is directing our path, God has not given up on us, and God still moves us? And so he did with the right people in Moab, at least with the children. Someone has said that it's better to, uh, to starve in the will of God than to eat the uh, enemy's bread. But we know that here, their plan was to sojourn briefly, stay there until, you know, they could go back, get some relief there and, and some, uh, some food. But instead, they ended up staying until the death of the father and the two sons. And Naomi uh, thought that was part of judgment upon her. Whether we know that or not, we, we know that this is how she felt. And the Jews were not to mix with Moabites. But once you start living close to or in the proximity of, of uh, where that type of lifestyle is, you start gradually participating in it. We know that would lot, don't we? And so we don't know exactly what happened, but we do know that once this happens, it's a lot easier to, to, uh, uh, to compromise and to accept things that you normally wouldn't accept. And uh, we, we see probably this happened with the sons, and we don't know uh, how the sons approached their parents and how the parents dealt with uh, this situation. I'm sure that there was some uh, friction there. Uh, there must have been some, but we see that that uh, God is at work even in the midst of disobedience and Ruth had no idea that the famine in Bethlehem would have any connection with her in Moab. She had no idea that the family had any relevance to her at all. And uh, then we uh, move to uh, the family here and we see in verse 4 and they took for themselves Moabite women as wives and the name of one was 
Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Ruth had been raised in this country of pagan beliefs. And now she gets connected to another family. Her family had been raised up in this kind of belief, and now she is connected to another family. But this family, even though they may not be uh, as committed as someone might think they ought to be, they still believed in the one God, Jehovah God. And so she was brought before this kind of teaching, this kind of belief. Ruth had never met anyone quite like Elimelech or Naomi or her two sons. And she was first acquainted, of course, with the son and which then was brought into the family. And the family, as I said, may have been a little distant at first and displeased at first with her and with her son or with their son because of the relationship much like in the new testament <clears throat> in the new testament it tells us that believers are not to be unequally or unequally yoked together with unbelievers and and that is for a reason we say we can tell uh, we can talk about stories like this but that doesn't uh, even though we see a story work out like this one did to, for good, that does not tell us that we should still deliberately disobey God's word, that God's going to work it out. Knowing that we have done uh, what was wrong in the eyes of God and thinking that God is just going to do what is right uh, and make everything uh, permissible and, and wonderful for us. I've seen too many families fall apart because of that. And we can understand how that might have happened when surrounded by pagan teaching and pagan living, it's sometimes hard to remain steadfast and uh, in your faith, especially when your emotions get involved, like the sun must have. So often, instead of showing self-control, a person gives in to uh, compromise. And uh, instead of standing on the truth, we wobble in relative thinking. Well, you know, this, I know I was brought up that this way, but this is what they're teaching here, and this is what I've heard. And, and anyway, I love them. And if I love them so much, then, uh, you know, God certainly is going to forgive me for this. Yeah, we can just rationalize all we want to. And when that happens, religion is, is not considered the objective truth anymore uh, the objective truth to which we should submit instead we are left uh, to personal taste and of our own choosing and I am sure the truth of God's word had become compromised somewhat in the lives of the sons and maybe to the whole family but being brought into the family they didn't quit worshiping the true God before Ruth, and thank God for that. She became acquainted with Jehovah God. Ruth seems to have discovered a, a, um, a world of truth that she had never before seen or heard of. She must have learned about the true living God, Jehovah God, 
who was different from their man-made gods. He wasn't cruel and immoral and, and uh, ugly and hateful and fearful. Jehovah God was a God who was just and, and loving and pure and holy and gracious. And this God, I'm sure, attracted her. But we've got to realize that this was the sovereign work of God with these circumstances. It was God working in a, a mighty way. It was God placing these events before these people, even in disobedience. I can recall when I uh, was dating Debbie, I was lost, and she had not been brought up to, uh, to be taught that, you know, uh, there shouldn't be unequally yoking together, but, but she did not like my lifestyle. I was lost. I looked at things differently. She took me to church with her. She would break up with me. There were different things in, uh, that happened in my life and different events that led me to the Lord. And I look back and I see how each thing was used for God and His glory to touch my life and change me. It says, Then both Malan and Chilean also died, and the woman was bereaved of her two children and her husband. Tragedy struck the family. The father and two sons died. This meant that there were no men to take care of her in the land. So she was a Jew in a foreign land. Naomi was, without a husband, without children now. And so she, uh, she was only left with two Moabite uh, daughters-in-law. So what was she to do? She decided to go back. You know, loss can cause a person to become angry, can it? It can cause a person to become mad at God, it, and it can do a lot of different things. And it was working on Naomi. She said, God has brought this on me. And, you know, uh, I, I've done this to myself, in other words. I, I've disobeyed God. And, and I'm sure there was a lot of hurt feelings. But with, with this, though, here was a, a, a person that was lost, Ruth, who uh, had heard probably about her God. And maybe she had wondered, well, if God's so loving, why did he allow this to happen? But we do understand in the scriptures to follow that this did not stand in her way between her and Jehovah God. She did not become bitter or angry to her God. Even if she saw Naomi being heard and having to go through all these emotions, to her the circumstances meant nothing, at least not then. They, they didn't make sense to her. And so often that's the case, isn't it? A lot of times we don't know why these things are happening until later. And she will find it out in just a moment. And this leads me to the last point, and that is the crisis for belief. Then both Malan and Chilean also died, and the woman was bereaved of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So the famine was off. 
good times were back. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. A crisis came in Ruth's life. But isn't that the case with all of us when we come to know the Lord? A crisis appears. We have to choose. We have to decide what to do. And a crisis came for Ruth when Naomi announced that she was going back to Bethlehem because God had visited the people. Now Ruth and Orpah was confronted by Naomi about remaining with their own people when she decided to go back. They first started off with her, but she uh, turned to them, and, she, and, and it's kind of like discipleship, you know, with the Lord and discipleship. A lot of people followed the Lord when, with his teaching and with, when he was performing miracles, but when he got down to the nitty-gritty like with the disciples and said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And we read in the Bible where a lot of them, when they heard this type of message, departed, went back home. So uh, here we see uh, with Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, and uh, it says, But Naomi said, Return, my daughters, why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? I don't have anyone for you. Return, my daughter. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. I can't get married. You know, I have children and all that. And if I said I have hope, if there was hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, just think about it. Would you wait that long for them to grow up to marry them? Would you therefore wait until they're grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying all that time? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. It's hard for me to tell you this. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. He's judged me. Seemed a dark and, dark and dismal future stretched before Ruth at this time. And she faced an emptiness even greater than that was caused by the death of her husband. The God she had heard about and knew was now wrapped up in the person Naomi. You know, Paul says, be ye imitators of God and me. And so God brought Ruth to the crisis of belief, this great moment where she had to make a major decision about life, who to follow. And to begin with, both girls started following Naomi. But then it says, and they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Behold, your sister-in-law has, has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, and this is the important thing, for where you go, I will go. For where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. 
Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you, you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she didn't try to dissuade her anymore. So the meaningless future of Moab versus the mother-in-law, Naomi, seemed to be no-brainer. Follow Naomi and her God. It wasn't that clear for Orpah, though, was it? She departed. I think that's what, she's a, a, a type that we can look at in our churches today. How many times have people, boys and girls, men and women, gotten so excited about a service, so enthusiastic about the preaching, so emotional over some story told, and they walk the aisle and they've signed their, their name to a paper and may even prayed or had somebody pray with them. And they came for just a little while and they, they were never seen again in the doors of the church. Or some preacher taught somebody manipulating someone in to come down front and be saved or whatever you want to say. And they come down and they sign a paper and they're manipulated into that and they don't know what they're doing and that was not their intent. And soon you don't see them any longer. You see, Orpah, she could be looked at as one of those. She got emotionally caught up in the move, the going forward. But then when it came down to what it meant to be a Christian, she realized the old life was better to her. It was more comfortable. And so we see this, but we see that Ruth followed her. And what happened? Ruth found grace in the eyes of the kinsman redeemer there. We won't go into all of that. She was placed before uh, Boaz, uh, or she went out to, uh, to just pick up the, uh, the grain that was left over from uh, harvest. She would go behind them, and whatever they didn't get, she would pick up. Boaz saw her, and he asked someone who she was, and then he found out, and he, he protected her by her staying in his field so that no young person would take advantage of her, no young man or whatever. And then through all of that, we, we see a series of events where she's brought before him and, and uh, they fall in love and there is another Redeemer, but he does not meet the qualifications in the sense that he's not willing to take her along with the field, but Boaz is. And so Boaz becomes her kinsman Redeemer and she is married. And what happens? She has a son. And of all things, if you look at that lineage, uh, the last part of chapter 4, and then you go to Matthew chapter 1, you'll see that this is the very lineage that Christ came from. You know, as we see this beautiful picture, we see that Boaz was willing to redeem Ruth. 
And just like that, it is a beautiful picture of what Christ has been willing to do for us. Redeem us. And bring us into His forever kingdom. Allowing us to be a part of His inheritance. How unselfish a love. How unselfish and sacrificial a love is like that. But that's the way Boaz was for Ruth, and that's the way Christ is for us. We know that Ruth became a part of the ancestry of David. And Deuteronomy 23.3 excludes a Moabite, but even with that, God's grace overrides that. You see, Ruth was loyal. What a wonderful mother. She was pure in motive. What a wonderful mother. She was kind what a wonderful mother. She was a hard worker. What a wonderful mother. She was of good reputation. She was caring. And she was, most of all, redeemed. I thank God for mothers and especially those characteristics that you find in a mother. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just uh, want to thank you for your wonderful love and your wonderful grace. And as the music is about to be played, anyone that would like to make a decision, I pray that you will just have them make that decision today that you placed in their heart. Whether those are seeing this uh, over the Internet or whether some decision here. Maybe it might be a mother who says, you know, hey, I, I've let things come between me and my family, and I want to set that straight with them and with God. I pray that you'll help them. It may be a, a mother out there who, who just feels neglected and who's been hurt and who's been abused or whatever and she just doesn't feel loved. But we know that there is a kinsman redeemer who does love her and that is Jesus Christ. And we know that there's godly people who do love her. And I just pray that she'll feel that and sense that. And then, dear Lord, I, I pray that we'll see uh, that mothers will rise up as never before, seeing the importance of, of the, that role as a mother to not only love their children, but instill in them a Christ-like life and a Christ-like mind where they are able to live and, and, and be in this world and be strong and, and be fulfilled in Christ the way that they should because they are steadfast in Jesus. And I pray that you'll help them to realize this and help all of us put the value of life back into our lives, our minds, and our hearts. 
Thank you, God, for this. Thank you for mothers. And, Lord, thank you for this time. Any decisions to be made to bring honor and glory to you and your kingdom, I pray that they'll be made today. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. testimony from John before we leave and then I'll let uh, Tank dismiss us with song. In times like these we all have to make a choice. We can either step back and think only of ourselves or we can step up and help our neighbors. I'm very proud to say that all the great people here at this church have stepped up in a big way with donations of food, water, cash, clothes, tote bags, other items to help our local homeless. I really can't overstate the impact that this has had. It's made a huge difference. I mean, a sack lunch with a sandwich and a bag of chips or a Vienna sausage and a cup of fruit may not seem like much, but that might be the only thing that person has to eat that day. And I just wanted to thank you for blessing me with the donations and blessing me to be part of this and I don't want to get into naming names because I might leave somebody out there have been so many people but I just wanted to give you all a here and the people watching a big thank you and I think you all ought to give yourselves a big round of applause you deserve it 